Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Monday, April 18th, 2022. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Brooke, Kristen, and Stacy, and we are talking about female friendships this evening. Um, we've done one, maybe two of these in the past. I can't remember how many, um, but there are so many books in so many genres that talk about female friendship so it's always a good uh a good recommendation i think so we will get started with the usual housekeeping information then i will start us off followed by brooke Kristen, and then stacy You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first book tonight is Saving Ruby King by Catherine Adele West. And this is a novel that is like a family story, but at its core, it shows how significant female friendships can be in the lives of, of women. So the story starts with Ruby and Ruby's mother has just died and she's died under some pretty mysterious circumstances, at least according to the town. And so people are kind of wondering like, you know, what happened to her? Um, but there are some people in town who are pretty sure that they know what happened to her. And they think that, you know, this thing that happened was very bad. They don't quite know what to do about it. But they are pretty sure that Ruby's father killed his wife because he has had a history of abuse um, over the course of his marriage. And they're just, you know, pretty sure this is what happened. So, now Ruby, who is 24, is living alone with her father. And she has a lot of concerns about this because as I've said, her father is pretty violent um, and she's not really sure how it's gonna be without their mother, without her mother to kind of serve as a buffer. Ruby's best friend is Layla and Layla is a preacher's daughter. And she and Ruby have grown up together. And so she's always known that Ruby does not have, you know, a great home life. And she's always been very puzzled by why, like her father, who is a pretty influential person in the community, like why he doesn't step in and try to help more. 
She also wonders why her mother, who is good friends with Ruby's mother, like didn't, you know, try harder to like make a difference in the lives of these women. So there's a lot of questions, but people are still, you know, they don't know the truth about what happened to Ruby's mom. They think they do, but maybe they don't. And so we move back and forth through time to see like what led up to this. And some of the things are, are things that you would expect, but we also go way back like into the 1960s where we see Ruby's grandmother as a young girl. And we learn about like the, the group of friends that she has and kind of how together these women go through some pretty unspeakable things, but manage to remain friends like through it all. So we have like three generations of women with very, very strong connections to their female friends. And so although parts of this novel are, are really difficult, um, you know, there's a lot of, of talk here about domestic violence. Um, you see some of it on the page. I think like one of the things that I took away from it once I finished was how important our good friends are and how even if like people don't necessarily see the ways in which our friends contribute to our lives, we, you know, we know that they do and we're able to kind of revel in that, that sense of connection that we get from, from the very strong women around us. So this is Saving Ruby King. It's by Catherine Adele West. It came out in 2020 and it's been on my TBR for a while. I finally decided that this was the perfect episode to read it for. So my first book tonight is a fantasy um, and it's Touched by Fire, Humans of New Chicago, number one, and it's by Kel Carpenter. So this book, our main character's name is Piper, and she is a supernatural bounty hunter. Um, she has a hate on for the supernatural beings. Um, we learn as the series goes on why this is. So Piper, she's a boss, and he's kind of like the mafia boss, kind of really. And he um, has told her that she needs to go after this coven of witches because they are going to summon a demon. So he has told her that she must go and she must kill this coven and stop the summoning of this demon. So she goes off and does some scouting to figure out where the best place to hang out is while she waits. Um, and the night of the summoning comes along and she's all set up. She's all ready. And then she realizes there's not only is there the coven, but there's also this woman or young girl who is going to be like the sacrifice. So she now realizes that it's even more important that she get to this girl before the summoning occurs. So she does some things, it doesn't go the best, um, but she gets down there, she does her thing, and the summoning ends up occurring. Um, even though she did not want it to occur, um, she takes care of some of the coven um, members, but not everyone. Um, she's not able to catch everyone. So she ends up 
taking one of the witches. Um, she kidnaps her and she takes her to her home. And the reason why I kind of point this out is um, this witch's name is Natalie. And she ends up, her and Piper end up developing a really, really strong friendship that you see throughout the series. And like Natalie will do absolutely anything for Piper. And I just think it's hilarious how they, like how they met. Like she ended up kidnapping her and was like totally threatening to kill her and stuff like this but they end up developing this friendship and some of the wittiness that you experience between them is pretty hilarious. And I love how Natalie is able to (laughs) like, she calls Piper on some of the things that she's going to do. And also Natalie's always there for her, no matter what Piper does or whatever Piper says, like she deep down, you know that they would just kind of walk through fire for one another. And I'm going to leave it there. Um, I know that was kind of short, but it's a series um, of four books. The last one just came out this month or last month. I can't remember the exact date, but just it recently came out. So it is complete now, which is good because there's a lot of um, cliffhangers, which is really frustrating. That's that's one problem with Cal Carpenter's books is a lot of them have cliffhangers, which Um. we all know Natalia hates. And Stacy, <laughs> yes, I, I, that's hates. why I actually didn't didn't keep going with the series is because <laughs> it, I was waiting for it to be finished because it 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 does leave you on quite the cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, now um, they actually have a. It looks like there's going to be at least one spinoff series, which is pretty Ooh. exciting. Yeah, so this Ooh. is Touched by Fire, Demons of New Chicago, number one, and it's by Cal Carpenter. And it's actually um, our buddy, Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Yes. Um, who introduced me <laughs> to Cal. So I was pretty excited. My first book tonight is a bully romance. And I didn't think this was my type of thing. But once I started, it was kind of like a train wreck that you couldn't pull your eyes away from. so I'm talking about this as an overall series this is the elite king's club by Amo Jones and I guess the best way to describe it is kind of like a secret group of of guys that go back years and years the elite kings are a group of of men that are generations of these different families that make up the whole group. Ah. And um, so you have like the Videosis line, you have the um, Riverside line. There, there's just each one of these families and they go back generations. And the, this series focuses on the youngest generation of elite kings And these are all high school kids, but the things that they get up to is really disturbing. Um, I will put in a content warning here. There is strong violence, strong language, um, and really, really rough 
sexual graphic scenes. Oh. Um, but one thing under all of this is these are guys that you wouldn't expect to be able to love anyone. But the women that come into their lives um, are some of the most hardcore, tough women that give them such a run for their money and drive them nuts. And it's <laughs> quite hilarious. And then, so the, the main girl in the series, her name is Madison, and her father marries this lady who is the mother of one of the elite kings. Oh. And so beginning Madison doesn't know anything about the elite kings um but they're all very wealthy they're pretty much rich and Madison becomes friends with Tate and Tilly and these girls form such an amazing strong bond that even though their men are a bunch of hard asses and try to boss them around and tell them what to do and where to go and not to go and how to dress and where to be. These Ooh. girls are like, when it comes to our sisterhood, you can go screw yourself. And like, that's literally their attitude. That That's no embellishment. Um, this series just was everything amazing to me, even though the violence that can take place one thing that the elite kings is all about is when if you are one of theirs they will go to the ends of the earth and do unspeakable things to keep their own safe and that includes their women but the girls in this series are just amazing there's an issue where madison ends up fleeing to another country to get away from everything for a while and She's told Tate and Tilly where she is, but they won't tell the guys where she is. And that's driving them insane, which is quite funny. Um, but it's just their bond is so unbreakable. And I think that's part of that is part of what made this series so amazing. Um, I believe there's. There's at least six books that I can remember off the top of my head full-length books and then there's a novella which I have not read yet but this is the elite king's club um, I believe the first book is called the silver swan and is by Amo Jones bully romance is hard for me like it's very popular there are so many of them um, but I I have a hard time so I am like 5,000% excited to talk about this book because I read it without even thinking of it for the female friendships episode. And it was the most delightful, wonderful, perfect, amazing book in the history of my life that I had to talk about it tonight. And Sarah actually talked about it. It was, Yay! my brain is so bad. I don't even know if it was March picks or April picks. It was very recently. March. She just March. So I'm going to talk about Savvy Sheldon Feels Good as Hell by Taj McCoy. And this book, my friends, is a love letter to amazing food, like on the level of food porn. It's a love letter to friendship and romance. But most of all, it's a love letter to learning to love yourself. This book is about Savvy, Savannah Joy. And Savvy is this 
beautiful ray of sunshine who has this boyfriend that she really loves. They've been together for six years. She has this amazing girl group of friends. Um, They've actually been friends since they met um, at a tennis, either at tennis camp or something. They were playing tennis together in like junior high. So they've been friends for a long time. And she's working her butt off at work to be recognized so she can keep moving up in her job. And her favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do above anything else is to cook for the people that she loves because she feels there's no better way in the world to show her love than by feeding people and caring for them. And Savvy lives in a house that needs a lot of renovations. It's, it's a house that was in the family. And she's been kind of dragging her feet on, you know, starting the renovations on this house because all her spare time is either spent with her friends, cooking for them and for her boyfriend, or working extra hours on the weekend so that the supervisors at her job are noticing her. And one Sunday morning, she cooks this beautiful, beautiful meal, breakfast for her boyfriend. And she puts on this sexy negligee and she goes to wake him up in bed with this beautiful plate. And he starts making these kind of garbagey comments about her and about maybe how the sexy negligee outfit she chose for him to see her in was just, you know, a little too tight for her body type. And then he gulps down her amazing breakfast and leaves. So she spends all that day at work and then runs home on her Sunday to prepare dinner for her boyfriend because she promised that she would. And as they sit down, he decides it'd be a really good time to tell her that he's decided after six years that she does not fit his image for his career and that he, it's time for him to trade up. Right. And Savvy is completely, and you know, he talks about how she's let herself go. She doesn't take care of herself. She's gained a bunch of weight. She's just not who he wants by his side as he's trying to be an up and coming guy. I think he's in real estate, but he's a douche. So I don't really remember what he does. So anyway, (laughs) this really, really hurts her. And so as those of us who have good gal pals know, in times of great distress, you call in your friends and they come a running. Mm -hmm. And that's what her friends did. And they sat down together and they hashed out a plan because Savvy has decided that while she's doing all these things, she needs to give herself a revenge body to basically knock him on his ass when next she sees her ex. Make him feel like he regrets every moment that he has been without her. So she's going to start working out again. She's going to go to hot yoga. She's going to start doing some clean eating and cut out all the delicious drinks and carbs and all the things that she loves to eat because by God, she is going to get back into fighting trim. And while all this is going on, her mother's calling her, reminding her that she has found a nice young man who could do the renovations on her house. And so as Savvy's going through this very rough patch in her life, she keeps seeing this man, this scruffy looking, dusty, dirty man in her neighborhood walking a chocolate lab. And one day she sees him. Exactly. And one day she sees him at the coffee shop and she makes 
some pretty unfortunate observations about him that are so wildly wrong that when she again encounters him and discovers that he is actually the contractor who her mother wants her to hire to renovate the house, she is so embarrassed because she made some pretty bad generalizations based on like made Whoops. them out loud or made them out loud mind. to him. No, to him. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. so Savvy's doing all these things. She starts renovating her house with this very sexy contractor who she pissed off and <laughs> she's going to hot yoga and starting up tennis. And all of the time that she's doing these things, her two girls are always by her side. They're eating clean with her. They're, taking her to yoga. They're playing tennis with her and whatever she needs, they're there. They meet for drinks, you know, periodically they, they get together all the time to love and support each other. And the friendship among these women to me was the backbone of this book. So as Savvy's making all these changes to her body, to her health, she keeps running in to her toolbox of an ex. And every time she does, He's with a sexy young thing, but it's always a different one. Always. And she's really questioning her self-worth and questioning like, what is it about me? Like, why is this happening to me? But luckily, Savvy Sheldon has a really strong group of girlfriends who doesn't let her go down that stupid road and who keeps, you know, calling her out on her nonsense and helping her to stay on the path of self-improvement, but for her and for no one else. So Savvy's starting to have some feelings for the sexy contractor. She's starting to feel stronger. She's getting noticed at work. But everything that's happening in her life starts to get to kind of like a boiling point. And that's when Savvy realizes that no matter what else is going on, revenge bodies and new romances and you know time with girlfriends and renovating her house, she needs to actually work on herself before and on her emotional state and on her ability to believe in herself before anything else in her life can fall back into place. This is one of the best books I've read this year. I love it. Um, I feel like it needs all the love in the world. It's a gorgeous book about friendship and romance and some pretty amazing food. Um, This author was kind of making me cry several times thinking of, you know, all the food that I don't get to taste because I'm not actually Um, one of Savvy's friends, and she's not actually cooking for me. Um, This is just a gorgeous book. I loved it so very much. Um, It just, it's everything that you want in a book with just the backbone of it being about being able to lean on your friends in times of stress and strife, but also in the times when they are there to celebrate your accomplishments as well. This book is called Savvy Sheldon Feels Good as Hell, and it's by Taj McCoy. And I hope you all rush out and read it because it is amazing. And there's a great chocolate lab in it too. Who's so adorable. P.S. I will. I bought it when it first came out and I really want to read it. Oh yeah. And it's a very body positive. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's very body positive as well, which I really appreciate in a good book. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, so my next book is a contemporary romance. This is Written in the Stars, Written in the Stars, book one by Alexandria Bell Fleur. 
Um, this is a female-female romance, and there are two other books in the series now, which makes me so, so happy. So this is the story of Elle and Darcy. And Elle is this, like, free-spirited, sort of uh, astrology-obsessed, like, new-age kind of person. And she's really devoted to finding things in her life and in the lives of those around her that bring joy. Like she doesn't want to focus on all the negativity and not in like a weird way, like not where you just sort of ignore that bad things are, are happening in the world and like live in a weird little bubble, but in a way where she does her best to sort of bring joy to the surface and you know, finding things to appreciate, even when things in your life aren't going so well. Um, that's sort of her like trademark and what she feels like is, is her purpose in life. Darcy, who is our other heroine, is pretty much the opposite of, of Elle. She's like practical to the point of you know, being kind of difficult to be around. Um, she doesn't really believe in love. She's been on a bunch of dates and they just never go well. And she always feels like the people that she meets, you know, they, they put on like a mask. They don't act like themselves. And then when she actually gets to know who they are, like, she doesn't like it because they're not, you know, the people that she like thought that they were. So she and Elle meet, they are set up um, by Darcy's brother and things go very badly on their first meeting. Um, you know, Darcy is not necessarily kind about Elle's chosen profession in astrology. And she just kind of like fluffs her off, you know, feels like this is not the kind of person she wants to spend time with. But she also doesn't want to tell her brother that this is what she did. So she lies to him and she tells him that, you know, the first date was really awesome and, you know, they want to, like, get to know each other better. They're going to spend time together. And, of course, all this is, like, not true. And she realizes, you know, as she's saying it, like, oh, my gosh, you know, he's going to, like, talk to Elle. And this is going to come back and, like, you know, bite me in the butt. But somehow she just, like, keeps telling him, you know, all these things that aren't true. So, of course, as she suspected, he mentioned this to Elle. And said, like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, you and my sister, like, hit it off, whatever. And it's, it's a big problem. So Darcy convinces Elle to pretend that they're dating because she really doesn't want her brother always on her back. And so she figures like if she tells him, you know, that they're hanging out, getting to know each other, like then in a little while she can say it didn't work out, but at least she'll have a break. So they start spending time together. And as they start spending time together, their like communities kind of begin to merge. And that I think is one of the best things about this novel. So this is a romance for sure, but I love all the people that surround Del, um, Darcy and Elle. I think it shows that like you are so lucky to have people in your life who are really there for you, who support you, who don't put conditions on their love and acceptance. And both Darcy and Elle like, find people that, that bring this to them. And as the series continues um, with Hang the Moon and Count Your Lucky Stars, the focus shifts from Darcy and Elle 
two other members of their sort of, you know, group of, of friends. And so we get to see more of these people that you really got to know in Written in the Stars. And I think it's just so, so wonderful. I love this author's writing. I'm so glad that she has written, you know, more books in this series. And I can't wait to see what she comes up with next because she does write really exceptional romances, but she also does a great job of fleshing out her supporting characters so that then when she decides to give them books of their own, like you already feel like you know them. And it's this really nice, like revisiting, you know, an old friend kind of feeling that I really enjoy. Um, I don't think Natalia won't like this, but I don't think you necessarily have to read this in order. Um, <laughs> this does, you know, what a lot of romance books do where you'll you'll see characters from previous books. You might get like little hints into their backstories. But, you know, if one of the plots intrigues you like more than than the others, you could certainly read this out of order. As long as you don't tell Natalia, it will be fine. So this is Written <laughs> in the Stars, Written in the Stars, book one by Alexandria Belflair. And I so highly recommend it. So my next book takes us to Victorian times. Um, this is a young adult fantasy. It's kind of like, kind of like Harry Potter, but um, written in Victorian times, and obviously different. But uh, definitely, I think Harry Potter fans would really enjoy it. So this is Changeling Sorcery and Society, book one, and it's by Molly Harper. So our oh, main yes. characters. This is a great series. Yeah. So our main character's um, name is Sarah, and she is what is called a snipe. Um, they are non-magical people, and they must work. Like this is the, what has to happen. They have to. They work for. Um, the guardians and the magical people as their like caretake like their caretakers of their um, properties um, their maids their ladies maids like just kind of like all the help that's who they are um, so Sarah and her family has always worked for the winters which is a very prominent family in the magical world and one day Sarah, is kind of she's always been like this kind of weak um unwell child she's smaller than most kids her age and she's just not ever been very well like her family really tries to make sure that she's not put in situations where her like difficulties are going to be spotlighted so one day sarah is working in one of the living rooms and um, Mrs. Winters comes in and Sarah kind of gets startled and she knocks this very, very expensive vase off a shelf and she's like totally freaking out because, well, breaking things is probably not the greatest thing to do. But all of a sudden, the vase starts levitating and Mrs. Winters sees this. And she knows that 
this is gonna cause some problems for Sarah and her family. Um, she doesn't, and it's also going to cause trouble. Like it's gonna cause questions in the magical world. Like how all of a sudden can a snipe do magic? So Mrs. Winters, um, she takes Sarah under her wing and she tells everybody that Sarah is her, um, her niece. Um, they've renamed her Cassandra Reed. And she um, helps to teach Cassandra how to be a proper woman because she doesn't want her to be sent off to a place because obviously like snipes are not allowed to do magic. So obviously the magical world is gonna think there's something wrong. So she takes, as I said, she takes her under her wing. She teaches her all these things, reclothes her. Um, she does not allow her at this time anyway to talk to her family. Um, she keeps her away. She actually does uh, magical wards around like the kitchen so that she can't go and see her mom who is the cook of the, uh, at the home. She sends her off to this magical school um, called Castwells. And at Castwells, Cassandra is trying to fit in. So she, one day she's in the cafeteria. This is the first morning there. And she meets Ivy. So Ivy is um, the granddaughter of a very prominent magical person. And um, she isn't well liked by other people. So Cassandra is this like unknown. So one of the, like, you know, like the popular girls, one of the popular girls, um, her name is Callista. She comes and she tells Cassandra like, no, you should come with us. And Cassandra doesn't want to cause trouble for the Winters. Um, and Mrs. Winter said to do your best to kind of like fit in. And then like, don't make waves because you don't want people to start questioning like where you came from and like how you got there. So she kind of ignores Ivy, but at the same time, they're developing this friendship kind of like behind Callista's back. So like Callista and her friends will say something like stupid and her um, and like Ivy and Cassandra will like wink at each other or they'll like um, when Callista says something bad about Ivy then Cassandra tries to stick up for her, for her with while also trying to make sure she doesn't stick out so as the series goes on it's really neat to watch this friendship between Ivy and Cassandra develop and to get more like they'll do anything for one another um, we also have another girl who enters their group. I don't think it's in this book, in the very first book. But in the next book, we get to meet Alicia, who is also um, part of another prominent magical family. And the friendship between these three is just so amazing. I loved watching how they really stuck up for one another and how they always had one another's back. So like at one point... There's different points in the time where Cassandra, she doesn't want to get her friends in trouble because um, obviously they're from these prominent families. But 
Alicia and Ivy, they just kind of show up because they know that she's going to get herself into trouble and they know that she needs them. So I just really love the friendship within these books. Um, all three books are out. So this um, series is completed. It's the first book is called Changeling, Sorcery and Society, book one by Molly Harper. Uh, Molly Harper. You don't get as much of her wittiness as you get in some of her in her other series, but her other series are also more adult. My second book is by an author that I have come to adore with all my heart. Um, this is The Friendship List by Susan Mallory. And Susan Mallory is one of those feel-good writers. Um, she writes very strong female characters, which I love. She does romance really well, but she also, um, she's, she can write it from the other direction too. I think the first book I read by her was The Vineyard at Painted Moon. And that was, that. that was my, oh, it's so beautiful. Like, it, it's just amazing. Like this, this woman just gets blindsided and she builds herself back up. It's, it's so beautiful. But um, the friendship list is about two um, women in their 30s and Ellen and Unity. And they have been best friends since childhood. Um, Unity lost her parents to a car accident when she was 13. And instead of going into the foster system, Ellen's parents took her in to live with them. Ellen has a, I want to say 17 or 18 year old son. He's, he's definitely a junior in high school when this book takes place. And um, she is a teacher at his high school. And one day she, she's leaving school and she goes to the, the workout room to ask him um, what he'd like for dinner and if his best friend is going to be joining them. And before she walks in, she over, overhears her son telling his friend that he can't go away to college because he can't leave his mom, that she won't, she won't do well without him. And this just breaks her heart. Oh, can you imagine Ooh. being a mom and hearing that? Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And so, you know, and, you know, she's worried about how she's going to pay for college, but at the same time, she doesn't want to hold him back. Now, Ellen, Ellen was 17 when she had her son, Cooper. And so that was just a one night stand type of thing with a guy she had gone to high school with. He got her pregnant and then disappeared, wanted nothing to do with her. So she's raised Cooper by herself. And, you know, she's got friends, she's a teacher, you know, her and her son have a really great relationship and she's seeing now with this 
um, with what he said that she's starting to look back and in 17 years she has not dated she hasn't really lived outside of school and her son and she hasn't even had sex in 17 years Whoa. and she's starting to see you know that she needs to show her son that she can be okay by herself that she can live life to the fullest and be okay without him now unity um is living in mourning she married her high school sweetheart two weeks out of their graduation and he enlisted in the military and so they bounced around from state to state um, in the military and she was all about following him but they never they didn't have kids because they were always waiting for him to retire from the military so they could settle down And then three years into their marriage, he's killed. And we don't know if this was like a training accident or if he was killed in the line of duty. We're not sure what happens, but it is alluded to that it had something to do with being in the military. Um, But since then, like she still lives in his childhood home. She sleeps in his bed, in his old bedroom. She still has all the pictures up on the walls, all of his stuff. His clothes are still in the closet because she feels like she can't love anybody else, that it's it's um, betraying his memory to move on and to fall in love. Oh. And so... Unity is, has a handyman business and she runs it from her garage and her pastimes are hanging out with the senior citizens in a little, um, retirement village and she's joined the senior citizens pickleball league have no idea what pickleball is but I've heard about it so and then she goes to the senior citizens grief group um I mean her her world just kind of revolves around this little village and and her friends within the senior citizens group I love it and then things start to happen like she's She's kicked off the pickleball team because they say that they are intimidated by her because she's so young and spry that she just can't be (laughs) competed against. And it's not fair to all these senior citizens that can't beat her. And this rocks her world. And then one day when she's in grief group and they're talking to her and people start telling her, you know, you have been coming to this group for three years and you are still here and what we're trying to tell you is we've all lost somebody but we've all moved on and honey you need to do the same thing and while it's a little you know abrupt and a little condescending I kind of get where they were coming from but unity is just like oh my god no they didn't just say that how dare they and so she's pretty much essentially kicked out of grief group And so these two women 
come together and they're like, we have to start living. And Unity decides to write down a list of things that are wild and crazy that they would never think about doing. And originally she thinks about this to help Ellen. She never thinks that this could help her herself. So she's writing down things, you know, um, get a tattoo, go skydiving, um, wear a dress with three inch heels, things of this nature, just, you know, things they've never done before. And this all ends up teaching them that there's more to life than what they have led thus far. Um, there's definitely a romance. There's two romances that happen in this book for both of them. Um, it's just a really beautiful, beautiful story about these two women that band together who have been friends for years and years um, to come together and help each other live their best life to prove to not only each other and themselves that they can do it, but to prove to everybody else in their lives that, you know, unity is more than is than the senior citizens village. And Ellen is more <laughs> than a mother and a teacher. And it was such a beautiful story. There's plenty of sarcasm and witty, witty banter. Um, the, the kids are amazing. Um, Ellen does go on a college tour trip with the, <laughs> with the junior class. Um, and that that's pretty much a riot because her and the football coach's um, daughter are the only two women on the trip. And so it it's it's pretty awesome. Um, so I highly recommend this book. I highly recommend all of Susan Mallory's books because she is just one of those feel good authors completely. Um, she knows how to start out with people at what they feel is rock bottom and bring them all the way back up to the top. And it's amazing. So this is the friendship list by Susan Mallory. And I think this came out it came out last year, I believe, um, because I, I remember, true. I think it was one of my picks last year. I just don't remember what month, but it's, it's an amazing, amazing story. Um, and if you're listening to it in audio, I, I can't remember the, the narrator's name, but she reads Tanya all Eby. of her books and she does. Yes. Tanya Eby. She does a really great job with all the characters. So go pick up Susan Mallory because you'll love her. Awesome. I feel like she's an author that I could be really good friends with because of the women she writes in her books are just awesome. So I've made no secret of the fact that Tiff Marcello was one of my greatest discoveries of the last couple of years in terms of authors. And so when I knew that we were going to be talking about female friendships, I knew I had to read in a book club far away by Tiff Marcello. Because the entire book is about female friendship. This book is about Adelaide, Regina, and Sophie. The three of them are all military spouses. Um, and they meet at Fort East. And they meet because um, Adelaide forms a book club. And within this book club, they sort of start, you know, kind of bonding and then they become inseparable, like beyond book club and start hanging out together while um, 
while their partners are all deployed. And they have this really supportive, lovely friendship until something happens and they don't. And they really don't. (laughs) So 10 years later, the three women are living separate lives in different areas of the country. Um, Regina is now uh, a chef working at a catering business that she is trying to get off the ground. And it's in a small town that doesn't necessarily need that skill set. So it's struggling a bit. But the one bright spot in her life are her conversations with her online friend. And she and her online friend have never met in person, but they've started flirting a bit online. And she really, really wants to meet him because he owns a bakery. And she loves everything about what he has to say. And she loves his cakes and everything. And she likes that it's an online relationship because she can flirt and it's safe because she's a single mom. She has a son and, you know, her son and her business are mainly her focus. Well, one day she gets her mail and in the mail is a letter from Adelaide. Now she and Adelaide have kept in touch over the years And Adelaide is basically begging her to come and help her out, sending an SOS message that she has to have surgery and she needs someone to care for her young daughter because her husband is currently overseas. And so, of course, Regina uh, figures out her business and figures out um, childcare for her son and she rushes to the aid of her friend Adelaide unbeknownst to Regina and unbeknownst to Sophie, Adelaide has invited both Sophie and Regina to come to her to stay with her daughter while she is in the hospital having surgery and during her recovery. And thus commences the struggle between the three women to see if, you know, enough of that past, they both feel loyalty and friendship to Adelaide, both Sophie and Regina do, but is how, is, is their loyalty and friendship for Adelaide strong enough to keep them both under the same roof when their friendship was severed so long ago, demolished and ruined? And over the course of the week that they spend assisting Adelaide, the book kind of goes from past to present, showing the friendship that they had and demonstrating what tore these women apart. Because it's not only Sophie and Regina who have secrets about that time, but Adelaide is struggling with secrets that she has kept all these years as well. So will this week together bring the three women together or will it for once and for all, sever the friendship that they had built long ago at Fort East. This book is told in alternating POVs among the three women, but it also, like I said, goes back and forth between the past and the present. And it's told in, I think it's like six or seven different parts. And each part begins with a quote from one of the books that was used as the book club book of the month during the time that they were friends in Fort East. And the final section includes a quote from the book that the three of them are discussing during their week in the present with Adelaide. 
And I liked this book a lot. Um, it did not have some of the warmth, the warmth and the heart of her other books. Um, there were points throughout the novel where I actually disliked each of the three women um, and thought that they were acting like assholes. And, um, but yet it was told in a way that, in, in my opinion, that shows that she was writing characters that are real and flawed. Um, you don't like everyone all of the time. And you sometimes question the motivations of people in your life. And like, why did she just make that bonehead move? Or like, why is this happening? Or, you know, this choice could have led to this outcome. And so as much as there were moments where I was supremely frustrated with the way that each woman was acting, I love the fact that what Tiff Marcello was demonstrating that friendship can be messy and flawed and complex but at the end of the day, with a strong foundation, you know, friendship can come in many shapes and forms and can get people through some of the best and some of the worst times of life. This, again, is in a book club far away by Tiff Marcello. Yay. I'm definitely going to be finding this book. Yeah, it sounds I really love. good. I think I will, too. So my last book tonight is going to get a little wild. This is <laughs> Finley <laughs> Donovan is Killing It. Finley Donovan, number one, and it's by El Casamano. So Finley Donovan is an author, and she's the mother of two young kids, and her life is always like a bit of a mess. You know, she's always getting herself in these situations, and then she has to like, ask her ex-husband to kind of like help bail her out. Um, she doesn't always keep to her writing deadlines. And so then, you know, she gets behind and her agent is upset with her and like all kinds of publishing people are like kind of breathing down her neck, you know, waiting for her next like <laughs> installment. And it's just kind of hard to be, to be Finley. So when the book opens, she is having lunch with her agent and they're talking about some things like for her next novel. And she's really struggling with parts of the plot. Like she's not really sure it's not coming together the way she wants. And so they're talking about, you know, different things that she could do. And they start bouncing like this idea for a crime novel kind of back and forth. And they're, you're talking about like, oh, it could be this way. And they're talking about, you know, this big twist that could happen and like how it could be carried out. And at the end of the luncheon, like the, the agent leaves and Finley's still sitting there. And this lady comes up to her and starts talking to her about how, like, she knows that Finley is a contract killer. And this is really good because her husband is a terrible person and needs to die. And she has Whoa. never known, like, how to make this happen. Like, she's, you know, she doesn't know how to, like, put out a hit on somebody. And so she's really glad. Like, she thinks it's kind of dumb that Finley was discussing this, like, in a restaurant. Like, why would you? <laughs> But she also figures, like, this is good. Like, you know, it, it's helpful to her. So she wants Finley to kill her husband. And Finn's like, oh, no, no. Like, this isn't real. You know, I, I'm an author. I'm trying to, like, you know, figure out this, like, plot point for my next book. But, like, no, you know, this isn't what I do. And the lady like won't hear it she's just like no no like I understand like you have to try to keep this secret but you don't have to worry like I'm not going to tell anybody I'm not going to report you <laughs> and it just oh, wow. it keeps going and going and 
you know, Finley does not want to do this. But then this lady starts getting mad. And she's like, I know <laughs> that you could do this, like, if you wanted to. And if you oh, don't, like, I'm going to, you know, she's, like, threatening her. So now wow. Finley is trying to figure out, like, how do I kill somebody? Like, I don't want to, but I have to because, like, this person is crazy and, like, they're, you know, going to, like, harm me or my kids, like, if I don't do this. And so she's trying to figure out, like, how this is supposed to work out. And at first she tries to keep it a secret, right? Because, like, you don't want to try to kill somebody and have people know. But Vera, who is her living nanny, um, eventually like catches on. And so kind of against her better judgment at first, Finley starts to confide in Vera and like explain to her, you know, this is the situation that I'm in. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. And Vera decides that she's going to help her. Now this isn't always helpful because kind of like Finley, Vera doesn't know how to kill someone um, or how to like get away with it. Um, But together, you know, they, they make it work and I'm not going to tell you like how it happens or, you know, whether they do end up killing people. Um, But it's just, it's so much fun. It has a little bit of a mystery element, but like not in a way that's, that's scary or, like off-putting to people who don't necessarily love love mysteries. It reminded me in a way, like it's not an exact comparison, but it reminded me a little bit of Jesse Q. Sutanto's style A for aunties and for aunties in a wedding. Like it's that kind of smart humor um, where people are trying to do like really dark things at the same time that they're like carrying on their, their normal lives. Um, I have to be in the mood to read a book like this because I usually like um, my books like darker and deadlier, (laughs) but I did really enjoy this one. And the second book um, just came (laughs) out in February, I think. Um, And it's Finley Donovan knocks them dead. Um, And I've downloaded it. It's, It's sitting on my iPad. So I will be reading it soon. But this one is Finley Donovan is Killing It. Finley Donovan, book one by El Casimano. I have this on my phone. I just haven't read it yet, but it's definitely on my uh, TBR. Oh, I think you'll like it because like Finn and Vera, at first, you know, they have this kind of uneasy like alliance and it just like builds up where they really like learn to, to count on and trust one another. Like both in this sort of like we have to kill people, but also just in like the the everyday, you know, stuff of life. So my last book tonight um, is actually part of a spinoff series. So you kind of need to start um, at a, at the beginning of an other series before you check out this one. But this book, I picked this one just because the friend, the female friendships in this book as well as um, the next book are just freaking amazing and so awesome. So I'm doing um, When He's an Alpha, The Olympus Pride, book two by Suzanne Wright. And oh, this is, on my TV this is like a spinoff of her Mercury Pack series. So you don't have to read um, the Mercury Pack series if you don't want to, but you will meet characters from um, that series. And you'll also kind of like 
hear things that are like kind of references to the other series. So it, I, I, I personally, I liked um, each of their stories. So it really helped to have those backstories. Um, so in this book, our main character's name is Savannah. Um, she is a Tasmanian devil shifter. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so when she's upset, she gets very upset. Um, her yes. best friends, um, her best friends are Bailey, who is a mamba shifter. So like a big, like a snake, cool. a deadly snake. Um, and their other best friend's name is Aspen. And Aspen, it's called a bear cat. And it's like this little scary ass, probably the size of a koala shifter. And when she gets mad, like she'll just like rip your face off. Like that's kind of, she's small and cute, but she's not really, <laughs> she's not really cute. Um, so Havana, um, she, she met Bailey and Aspen when she was younger. Um, they worked together in this like kind of secretive group. Um, you learn a little bit bits and pieces as in this book, but also in the next book, which is Aspen's book. But they met then, and then these guys just always have their back. Like if Havana even has this like inkling that she might be in trouble, like they're pretty much attached to her. Like they try to get away from um, the there's times when they, she tries to leave Bailey and Aspen behind and they're always popping up. Or, like, sometimes um, she'll be in bed and then she'll just kind of, like, hear something in her living room. And she'll come out and, like, Bailey will be in her mamba um, form. And Aspen will be in her um, bear cat form. And, like, literally, Aspen is, like, halfway down inside of um, Bailey because they're fighting they're like, they have these like rest, these like wrestling matches or like sometimes Bailey will have be like squeezing the heck out of Aspen and you just never know why they got upset with, with each other, but they're just like, they're kind of like sisters that are always fighting. And Havana is like always the one that's kind of, kind of the judge trying to make sure they don't like <laughs> rip each other apart. But at the same time, as I said, like these girls have their, each other's back. Like you cannot go after one of them without watching out for the others. So in this book, um, Havana and Tate, um, they, this is their kind of book where they're developing a relationship. So they've kind of had this buddies with benefits kind of relationship for a really long time. And Havana overhears Tate talking to, I think it was his brother, one of his brothers. And she overhears him saying that no matter what, he'll never be able, like as much as he loves Havana, he's never going to be able to commit. And this really bothers her. Like she knows this deep down, but at the same time, it really bothers her. So she decides that she needs to split. Like this, um, this is just not gonna work with her for her long-term. Um, and so we get to learn more about like what's holding Tate back. For some reason, 
both his human side as well as his. So he's a palace cat. These are like these adorable little cats that literally can rip your face off. Like they're not, you don't, you do not want to tango with a, with a palace cat, like the wolf packs in the first series that I mentioned, the mercury pack, they always like were terrified if the palace cats were near, like if a big wolf is afraid of a little palace cat, then yeah, that's, that's what Tate is. Um, so him and his cat, they both have this, when, as he gets close to women, for some reason, his cat always like pushes them away and like makes it very uncomfortable for his human side to be in the relationship. So he's never really been able to have a relationship. So Havana has now said, nope, we're done. Um, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. And well, for some reason, he doesn't know why, but his cat's upset about this. And being the alpha that he is, he is going to now make it his mission to earn Havana's um, attention. And at the same time, she, he also has to earn the trust of her two best friends. Because as I mentioned, her girls always have their back. So I'm going to leave it there. But this is When He's in Alpha, the Olympus Pride, book two, and it's by Suzanne Wright. Can I have a palace cat, please? Like, honestly, like, they're, they're <laughs> like, them and the, the palace know, right? cat and then um, Aspen's bear cat are these, like, adorable animals. Like, people would be like, oh, it's so cute. Like, and, like, can I pet it? And Havana's like, don't do it. Like, just stay back. <laughs> Take your fingers off. Exactly. So Stacy will love this. I can't yes, she will. So my final book tonight is The Road to Rose Bend. Oh yay! Rose Bend number one. Um by Naima Simone. Oh, I love her so much. And so much. I know I love her too, and it's all thanks to you. You're welcome. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um this is the first book in the Rose Bend series, and this is about Sydney and um and Coltrane. Um, Sydney has, after what eight years, come mm-hmm. home to Rose Bend, Massachusetts, after living in, I believe it was Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and she is pregnant and she has decided that, um, the best place to raise her child is in her hometown. And she never thought she would be back here because growing up, it was just, she had to get out of town. She had a pretty rough childhood. Um, she lost her sister. Um, to cancer I believe and so as soon as she was able to she got out of that town and ran far far away but now after a failed marriage and then kind of a one-night stand with her ex-husband whoopsies um she is yep (laughs) she is pregnant and she has decided to come back to Rosebend 
and her best friend, Leontine, who is also Coltrane's sister, um, has come back into town as well, though Sydney did not know this. And as she is feeling her way into um, into this into her town again and trying to figure out how she's going to raise her child and um, navigating some kind of tumultuous feelings between her and her parents. Um, and then she starts feeling this attraction to Cole and um, her ex comes back into the picture and threatens to take her child away as soon as it is safe for the baby to be away from her. And this just sends her into an uproar. But Leontine is her best girlfriend and Leontine is ready to kick butt. And she's there to support Sydney whether it be buying her donuts or donuts donuts and coffee or going out for ice cream or just whatever it takes to make her happy. They set her up in um, Leontine's family's inn in one of the cottages in their little inn, which is adorable. And um, Sydney becomes very... um, involved with Coltrane but what I love about this book is just the way that not only Leontine comes to you know steps up and is is ready to gouge out somebody's eyes for Sydney because she'll be darned if anybody's going to take her friend's baby and the the beautiful family relationship that is rekindled and um, um, past, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Past feelings that were projected onto her from her family, the way all of this is resolved and, and just the steadfastness of all the people in this little town is really pretty, really amazing. Um, you also have the mean girl in town. Who sure this, ah, yes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to slap her several times, but um, you know, but she's she's got her posse, and then what really gets to the mean girl? What is her name? Is Jen- Jenna? It's Jenna. Or I think it is Jenna. Jenna yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What really gets to Jenna is how she can't ruffle Sydney's feathers anymore. She definitely tries. But um, one of the council women kind of puts Jenna in her place and tells her that she should be ashamed of herself. And there's no reason for her to go spewing poison all over town just because she can't have what she wants. And really backs up Sydney because she Jenna kind of bum rushes her on on um, the town halls steps and stuff like that. So I mean, the women that come to to back up Sydney, um, those relationships are all amazing. And it doesn't matter that she hasn't lived at home for eight years and 
vowed to never return. They they welcome her back in with open arms, just like any um, beautiful little small town. And Sydney becomes, um, you know, she 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 finds a new love. She has her baby, and her friends are there every step of the way. And it's a beautiful story. It's an amazing town to be a part of. It's one that I wish I could just step into the book and be a part of because the the people of the town are so amazing. But this is The Road to Rose Bend, Rose Bend number one by Naima Simone. And I think currently there are three, um, three books out with a couple of novellas. And they're all so, so amazing. So with really Love from like Rose Bend, book. yeah, I did too. And with Love from Rose Bend, which is Leontine's story, just came out at the end of March. And it was mm-hmm. amazing. And I just think, um, I feel like Naima Simone does not get enough love. Um, I think she's an amazing author. She writes these very in-depth, like sexy romances. Um but with characters that feel very down to earth and very real, they make honest mistakes. They're not your perfect sort of like, you know, love story characters. Um, but her small town dynamics are really great too. And then the, the friendship among the women of Rosebend is um, one of the most vital parts of the story and are the books. And you'll notice if you continue reading the series that the friendships just evolve and more and more people are brought into this circle of, strong and very sassy confident women and it's just a really great I don't know I I love everything about how she writes so my final book of the evening is one that makes me happy down deep to my soul and it's an author I discovered when I was in a book slump and just didn't know what to do and I was pouting and it's always frightening to my husband when I'm in a book slump and I'm pouting because I'm frightening and I'm very angry because I don't know what to read. And I just picked up a book in this series on a whim. And I have two of them out of six left to read. I'm saving them for a rainy, grumpy day because OMG, I'm talking about Annika Martin's Billionaires of Manhattan series. And if you're cringing by hearing the words billionaires in Manhattan, don't worry because I was too. Because I tend to run far, far away in the opposite direction when I see romances with billionaire in the title, because they are about like a dime a dozen right now. And I feel like you can't walk through Romance Landia without tripping over a billionaire book. But anyway, tonight, or though, I'm going to talk to you or 20. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk to you about Breaking the Billionaire's Rules, Billionaires of Manhattan, book three by Annika Martin. This book is my best book friend, I think, that I've read in a long time. I love it so much. It's about Mia. Mia is a Broadway actress. She's a singer. And she's been trying to get her big break for a really long time. And uh, she will soon have an audition for the lead in Anything Goes. And so she's practicing a ton and working on the songs that she's going to sing. But You know, she is an up and coming Broadway actress, which means even though she's ridiculously talented, she still has to earn enough money to pay for her super cute apartment in the amazing little apartment building that she calls home. 
And so during the day, Mia is a lunch delivery person for a delivery company. But it's not just any type of delivery company. Mia has to wear a full cat costume and she has to deliver food. And at the end of every interaction, she has to say, meow, before she leaves. (laughs) Because if she doesn't say that and the company finds out that she did not meow, she'll be fired. So Mia's going along, practicing for Broadway, (laughs) hanging out with her amazing girlfriends in their super charming old historical apartment building. When she finds out that the next day she will be delivering food to Max. And OMG, he is her high school nemesis. They went to a performance, performing arts high school together. And he was like the, oh, the golden child with the wealthy parents. And basically he sort of floated through school as a moody pianist and with his silver spoon clutched in his fingers. Whereas Mia, (laughs) Mia was the scholarship girl from Jersey with the awkward laugh that was kind of like a braying donkey that Max actually mocked one time and like wrote a song about her laugh. And so they just sort of fought all the way through high school until that one summer when they were the leads in Oklahoma. OMG, I'm kind of dying just talking about this book. I might have to read it again. And, um, So they had this amazing summer where they sang about the pretty little Surrey with the fringe on top. And then they might've kind of gotten some romantic feelings. They might've caught some feelings for each other until the start of senior year when all of a sudden Max acted like Mia was like a fungus and just dropped her without explanation and broke her heart. Oh, so now it's 10 years later ish. And Max is like this giant billionaire dude because he wrote a book that got him famous. And it was basically the 10 golden rules for landing the hottest girl in the room. And now Mia has to deliver lunch to him in a damn cat costume. So what does Mia do? She goes home to her friends and flips out to them. And they all sit down together and they put up a huge, it's either like a whiteboard or like a big piece of paper on the wall, about how they're gonna bring Max to his grovelly knees. And Max (laughs) is going to rue the day that he ever mocked Mia in high school and ever did these things because she, with the help of her friends and their ideas and their support, is going to use his 10 golden rules for landing the hottest girl in the room against him. (laughs) And she's going to wrap him all around her fingers, get him on his grovelly knees, which every time it said grovelly knees, I had a laughing attack where I was like crying. I don't know why. <laughs> and she's going to turn the tables on him. So throughout this book, you know, she has to go in her cat costume. So she's a sexy cat and she meows like and every day she has to give him lunch. He makes her order very challenging and like tells her to bring all these different types of chips. And every day she tries out a different meow on him and reports <laughs> back to her friends. And she's trying to practice, um, two songs for um, for her upcoming audition for Anything Goes. And, you know, this book is like, just like this lovely enemies to lovers romance that is everything good. But what I love most about it is the group of women and a man, but we're talking about female friendships who are all friends in this apartment building and how they all rally around Mia and have her back and support her while she is dealing with this 
horrible, horrible nemesis who is just doing all these stupid little things to make her life stressful and challenging. This book is delightful. It's lovely. I'm not going to say anything else about it, except for that one of my favorite things is that she, for her audition, sings How Could I Ever Know from The Secret Garden, which doesn't matter to anybody but me because it's one of my favorite Yay! musicals. But I know yeah, it matters to you too, but really oh, yeah, has nothing to do with- Garden. It's the best. It has nothing to do with female yeah. friendship, but it just put my heart no, into this silly, glorious. glowy place. It is. And you know what I like about this series in general, these are all books that can be read the author writes this in the synopsis, Natalia, they can be read as standalones in sort of like a group. Like you don't have to read them in order. Um, so if you're ever having a rough day and you want to pretend like you have these amazing girlfriends who all surround you in this like amazing, quaint, charming old apartment building in New York City. I mean, who hasn't wished for that at one point in their life? Because I did. I do. Um, Not in New York City, but yeah. Oh, just one, just one moment. I want to be the diva on the stage with all the friends in the charming apartment building. I, that would be so great. But anyway, if you would like to read one of these books to get the strong female friendships and some great romance and some laugh out loud moments that might bring you to your grovelly knees, I recommend Breaking the Billionaire's Rules, Billionaires of Manhattan, book three, or any of the Billionaires of Manhattan series by Annika Martin, because they are just the most delightful thing to hit the planet in quite some time. Yes, I need to read these. All right. So that is all that we have for you tonight. Thank you to Kristen, Brooke, and Stacy for coming up with such awesome books where female friendship is front and center. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for her editing of all of our various tangents. And thanks goes out to each and every one of you who joins us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.